0: Awesome. Let's let's give Pastor Josh a hand. Throwing down the heavy word this this evening. It's good to be back home in my hometown. How many Baton Rouge folks we got up in the house? Wait, we are in Baton Rouge. You're all Baton Rouge folks, okay? Praise God. I'm also super thankful to have a bunch of people from Nola Church here with us tonight. Love my Nola Church family. I'm really honored that y'all are here thanks for making the drive over. So I guess tonight was the uh, the dirty South mafia from New Orleans coming in to throw it at you. That's what we all about. Amen. Amen. Grab your Bibles. go to Isaiah 43:19, put your thumb there, and then turn on over to Exodus chapter 33. while you're getting ready for that. I just want to say how much I love Pastor Philip. And Kelly and their entire family, y'all are awesome. Thanks for the honor of us getting to be a part of this. We love y'all. We got big shoes to follow and walk in behind y'all, but y'all are an encouragement to us. Many of y'all don't know this, but every Sunday morning I get a a text message from your pastor. And then I go directly to my church to the tag in and I share what he gave me with them. Act like God put it on my heart. So thank you for that. My team is so thankful for all that you pour into me because they think I'm original. Thanks, man. We like that. All right. Praise God. Let me just kind of pick up where, where Pastor Josh took us a few minutes ago. Isaiah forty three nineteen, just the beginning of this verse. God makes this very distinct, profound promise. He says, for I am about to do something new, say about to. Because we're in the south, and I assume that because God decided to live in his fleshly body in the southern region of Galilee, I believe that Jesus was southern too, amen? So if we say this the way that Jesus would have said it in south Galilee, I'm fitting to do something new. I'm fitting to do something new. And then he doesn't stop there and says, see, I've already begun, don't you see it? So I want to talk to you real quick. Just want to talk to you really, really fast for the next few minutes, because like literally, they gave me like three minutes to finish my whole sermon. So I'm going to talk fast. If I if I start talking too fast, just say, "Lord, give me the interpretation," because that, that means I'm speaking in another language. But I'm going to talk to you real fast on the subject of encountering the new. Everybody, say, encountering the new. Y'all, I want you to know this. You're. You're not starting a new church. You're relaunching a church that's already powerful. Amen? Amen. God's already done a lot of amazing things here in this part of Baton Rouge and wherever it is that you're reaching out. And God is not even remotely done with what he started so many years ago. But I want you to know something. He's fitting to do something new. He's not stopping with where he's been He's got something new. In fact, you're heading into some new territory, amen? He's kind of kicking down the walls. He's opening up more opportunities, and he's bringing you into places of new territory in his purpose. And you're here tonight, and you hung out for, for the scrubs that are coming in to do cleanup in the, in the two-sermon series of Friday night at the Encounter Conference, and if you hung out through the break, that means you're the special people. Amen? Where are my special people at? I'm so glad y'all are here. And I want you to know that God's done some awesome things, but my friends, you cannot coast on yesterday's victories. If you decide to hang out coasting on what God did through heart's ease, you're going to be sorely disappointed as God begins to move on from a place of comfort and a place of where it used to happen to where he's going to take you. My friend, you can't stay in yesterday. You got to step on out into the new territory. The real question for you tonight is this. Can you see what God is doing? Can you see, can you look outside of your own mind, can you look outside of your own experience and can you see with the eyes of your heart, the eyes of your spirit, what God is wanting to do? And, and I hope some, some of you can and I can tell by the look on your faces that many of you are already beginning to see in your own life where God has taken you in this season of encounter, amen? Amen. So if you, if you don't mind, I'm just going to kind of wipe a little of the haze off the glass so we can kind of look in to the future. Does that sound good to anybody? Because if you're going to encounter the new that God is doing, you're going to need to do two things. Everybody say, two things. See, normally I give NOLA Church at home, I give them a list of at least three or four things. But because they took all the time, I've only got two for you tonight, all right? So here's, here's number one. Here's the first thing that you're going to need If you're going to encounter the new, everybody say, ask the tough questions. you got to be willing to ask the tough questions. So let me ask you a tough question. How willing are you? How willing are you to challenge your comfort? How willing are you to challenge the thing that makes you just... (sighs) Got a phone call today from somebody. Saying, Pastor Monty, I just want to thank you for everything you've done in my life. You've been a great influence. And normally when conversations start off like that, as a church planner, I brace myself. Because it's about to get rough. Amen? And I just really feel like NOLA Church has been such a great and fantastic influence in my life. And it was, it was man, the last year has been absolutely amazing. God's done so many things, but I feel like God is moving me on to a new place. I don't know what God you're talking to, but anyway. And as they begin to talk to me, and I'm not, I'm not throwing anybody under the bus here. Just it's unique how God puts things in place because He knows where we're going even before we see what's up. And they they got to talking to me, and they're like, "Yeah, I just, I, I really, I really like a more in-depth sermon. It's like every sermon you preach, you're reaching for the lost, and like, yeah." That's kind of what we do. And I'm just, I don't feel like I'm being fed. How many pastors ever heard, I just haven't been fed. I'm like, well, dang it, boy, you ain't eating what I'm putting on the table. (laughs) If you ain't being fed, pick up your dang fork. Let's go. Let's let's do this the right way. Is it okay if I talk like that? I, I feel like I'm at home. But basically what this individual was saying was, I just, I like my comfort. My comfort is when you preach to me as a seasoned saint and you don't challenge me to get up off my keister. See, I clean that up and get out into the field where God wants me to actually work. It, it, it's not comfortable for me when you point at me and say, who have you discipled? It's not comfortable for me when you point at me and you say, who have you saved? Who have you healed? Who have you led from darkness into marvelous light? That's not comfortable. So let me ask you a question in counter church. How willing are you to challenge your comfort? How willing are you to get uncomfortable? And when I start thinking of someone who is in a very uncomfortable position, I have a tendency to put my foot in my mouth often. I don't have time tonight to regale you with the many stories. But sometime when you got about three or four hours, I'll spend some time and tell you the things that I have said from the pulpit and without that just would just mess up everybody, and make everybody's hair curl. But one of my favorite stories in the Bible is a man of God in a very uncomfortable position. Exodus 33. We're going to start with verse 12 and read very quickly down to verse 17. Then Moses said to the Lord, see, you say to me. Notice how he starts off. He's already starting off a little bit cocky. See, you say to me, God, I heard what you said to me. You said, bring up this people. Here's what he's talking about. Let me give you some context. God had just gotten ticked off. At his people. Because he had spent a month working on Ten Commandments. And he spent a month spending time with Moses and like pouring all this stuff into him. And while this month is going on, the people are down on the ground getting naked and dancing around a golden calf. Moses comes down. He gets so ticked off, he throws him on the ground. God says, bring it on back up. Let's do it one more time again. And it starts all over. And then by the time all this is happening, it it comes down to the fact that Moses is frustrated. God is very frustrated. And God says, hey, you want to go on into the promised land? Giddy up. But you're on your own. You're all by yourself. And see, this is the context. Now God is saying, hey, Moses, these are your people. You lead them where I told you they could go. But I'm not going with you. Hmm. I don't ever want to be in that place. So Moses is having this conversation with the Lord, and he says, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you haven't let me know whom you will send with me, because I can't do this by myself. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you've also found grace in my sight. And you're like, man, Moses is burly. Yeah, he is, but we're going to learn something from this here in just a second. Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your, shi- in your sight, Show me now your way that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. In other words, you said they were my people, but Lord, you know they actually belong to you. And God responded, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Because he's still a little frustrated at the people. Then Moses said to him, If your your presence doesn't go with us, don't bring us up from here. How many times do we get ourselves in trouble? This ain't even in my notes, but how many times do we get ourselves in trouble when we step out trying to do God's work, but we're doing it without God's presence? Look at your neighbor and say, hmm. Wish I had a B3 right now and just help me out with that. Hmm. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. And then the Lord said with a little bit more excitement, I added that that's not in the original translation. I will also do this thing that you've spoken for. You have found grace in my sight and I know you by name. Then Moses gets freaky. He's like, I'm batting a thousand here. I kind of got God up out of his mully grubs. And he asked the question that nobody in human history had ever asked. Please show me your glory. And I don't have time to read on from here, but this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible because it's in this moment, in this encounter with God that something radical happens. Because you you see, God was a little aggravated because the people were headstrong. But when it got down to the tough question that Moses asked that no one had ever asked before, God gets excited. And let me just unpack this real quick for you. You see see this. God had given Moses a promise, but the fulfillment of the promise required the people to leave comfort. You're never going to get the promise that God has for you when you're comfortable. Because you don't need it when you're comfortable. You need it when all hell breaks loose. When everything is just clicking along and things are going perfect, you you don't really need the promise of God. You're living in the promise of God. It's when the devil goes, hey there. It's in this moment. And I just want you to know the promise that God has for Encounter Church. And I, I don't even have time to show you what I believe God has already begun doing in the Baton Rouge area through this congregation. But the place he's going to take you is going to require you to step out of a place of comfort. You may never have been a part of a small group before, but it's time to step up and say, I will lead, co-lead, and host. I'll do all three, and I will do all three with excellence because I know there's somebody that needs to find God. Hey, I've never been on the dream team, but it's time. I'm going to step into it. You need me to hold a worship guide? You need me to open a door? You need me to make you a mocha frappuccino, mocha lata lata, whatever that is? I'll do whatever it takes because it's time for me to step out of comfort. Amen. Amen. Let me give you one point here, and you can write this down if you want to. Encountering the new is impossible when you're comfortable. When you read through this context, God literally challenged Moses to step out on his own strength and make no mistake about it. God knows that we can't do it by ourselves, but he's going to challenge us to step out of the nest because you'll never fly as long as you're sitting in the nest. Amen. And Moses was willing to do something that many of us are scared to do. He kind of pushes back at God. Oh, yeah? That's what you want me to do? Well, where are you going to be when I do it? Like, man, you can talk to God like that. Yeah, Moses did. If Moses did. I'm just as much a child of God as he is. If Moses can do it, how come I can't do it? you got to understand this. Moses was willing to have an awkward conversation with God because he was unwilling to stay comfortable. He knew what God had promised him. God had already showed him. And he was not willing to stay where he was. He was wanting to go to that next place. And he knew that he couldn't do it without God. So when God throws the challenge, Moses says, let's go. In fact, what Moses does is he reminds God of a promise that God had already given. Here's a little way that you apply this challenge I gave you. You need to learn how to quote scripture back to God. Not to remind him of what he's already said, but to build your own faith. Because when you start speaking God's own character back to him, he's like, that's what I wanted to hear. Boom. And then he starts breathing into your spirit. He starts empowering you with his own grace and his own glory and his own character. And as you begin to quote him back to him, how cool is that? You start quoting Jesus back to Jesus. And as it comes out of your mouth, your faith begins to increase. Y'all, you got to understand this. Moses displayed crazy faith. Displayed crazy faith. He, he's like, yeah, I, I, want you, I want you to go before us. I want you to send you know, your presence with us. And we're not going without you. And then God's like, yes, okay, we'll do it. I, I, I know you by name. I'll give you my grace. And then Moses gets to that place where he's going to do the big ask. Almost messed that one up, but we're going to make sure we we'll edit that out the video. you catching? catch it. Some of you ain't been saved long enough to not get that one, but don't don't act so sanctimonious. Here's the deal, y'all. When God opens a door of opportunity for you, you got to be willing to go for broke. Don't stop. Man, he's listening to you. You quoted scripture to him. He's like, that's what I wanted to hear. And while you're in this moment, don't stop. Be like, thank you and let your perfect will be done. Trust me, his will is going to be done. The real question is, is his will going to be done through you? I don't know about you, but I'm tired of seeing God blessed through somebody else. I'm ready to be on the front lines and bring an encounter to this amazing city. Moses asked God the tough question in verse 18. He says, please show me your glory. You got to understand how radical this is because no one. Had ever asked this question before. And, and God gets so excited, he gets flabbergasted. He's like, Yeah, I'm gonna do it. Wait, I can't do it. It's not time for me to reveal that part of me. This is, the, this is the reason I know I love God. How many of y'all were bad kids? I was a pastor's kid, North Baton Rouge, right behind the old Belmont. Everybody remember the old Belmont? I, I ran them streets. Me and Master P, there we was. I grew up six blocks from Zion City. My brother learned to play basketball in Zion City. We were the only two white people for like a thousand miles. We'd roll up in mom and dad's Lincoln, and they were like, yeah. (laughs) I'm straight. (laughs) That's about as far as it goes, but. But I love the fact that God really reveals a part of what he put in me because he made me a troubled kid, thank God. And God did something that I did a lot when I was a kid and I got in trouble for it. But God says, I can't show you my glory yet because it would burn you up. We want God to do something through us but we're not quite ready for the consequences. But whole other sermon series there. We'll get back to that later. But God says, "If you'll allow me to do something radical with you Moses, I'm going to take you, I'm going to stick you in the cleft of the rock and I'm going to put my hand in front of you cuz I don't want to mess you up." Cuz God knows what we can handle. And I'm going to step past you and when I do, I'm going to move my hand. I'm just going to kind of moon you real quick. It's in the Bible. In the MLV, the Monty Living version, that's where it says. That's what the Bible says. You will see me from behind. I love the KJV. You will see behinder parts. I don't know about you. Some of you are like, oh my God, he just said God moon. Yes, he did. Because you see, sometimes the thing that will radically change you is when you look at where God has already been and you see the impact of that, that's enough to mess you up for the rest of your life. But you're never going to be willing to, or you're never going to be able to encounter that new. God had never mooned anybody before that time. Because nobody had ever asked. <laughs> you're welcome. Joke fodders for the next year. There you go. Told you. I'm liable to say anything. But you're never going to encounter the new until you're willing to ask those tough questions. God, do something in me that you've never done for anybody else. Do something through me that I can't even imagine because your ways are not my ways and your thoughts are not my thoughts. In fact, I'll never even be able to even imagine what they are because you can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all I can ask or think. God, I'm ready to encounter you and I'm ready for that encounter to come out of me, amen? Somebody with me tonight. Y'all got one more point in you? So the first thing is you've got to be willing to ask those tough questions. The second thing you got to be willing to do is you've got to be able to run the play. Everybody say, run the play. Run the play. you got to be able to run the play. You may not even agree with the call. You may not like the strategy. It may ruffle your feathers, but if you're on the team, you've got to be willing to run the play. So let me ask you this question. How willing are you to follow God? Even if it seems impossible. I'll follow God anywhere as long as I can get my head around it. God, I'll go anywhere you want me to go as long as it's two blocks over. Lord, I will go to Africa, but I won't reach across the street to the people who are my neighbors. How willing are you to follow God even if it seems impossible. Let's go back to the theme verse of this whole encounter conference. For I'm about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Don't you see it? Don't you see that I've already got things happening? Don't you see that I've already got pockets of potential just placed all over? Man, that's a lot of alliteration there. But there's just stuff placed all over the all over the city, all over the, the area. I've got stuff for you. Don't you see what I'm already doing? Before you even knew, before you were even a thought in your parents' mind, I had a plan for you. And then I ordered your steps because I knew you were going to be in right relationship with me. And I know that the steps of a person in right relationship with God are ordered by God. So I already had everything in place for you. Don't you see? I'm already doing it. And and I love the way he ends this, this little phrase here I will make a pathway through the wilderness, I'll create rivers. In the dry wasteland. Y'all let let me give you this. You can write this one down if you want to. God always fulfills his promise. Through the lens of the impossible. If you can do it. You don't need God. If you can do it on your own. Don't even pray and ask God's will. Just get up and do it. Just like Nike that thing. Just get up and do it. Amen. Amen. Because you don't need God to accomplish the humanic thing. You need God to accomplish the impossible. And when you start walking into what God is already doing, that new thing, He's going to do it through the lens of something that you've never even imagined. Yo, you got to understand this. Encountering the new calls you into the wild. God says, Hey, I'm doing a new thing. Y'all ready to get crazy? Y'all, y'all ready to just do things that don't even match, don't even fit? Everybody says do this. Church growth strategists say do this. And, you know, like don't have church without carpet on the floor. We've been doing it for three and a half years now. Dang, we don't even have paint on the wall. At least you got paint on the wall. It's still wet. Don't touch it. <laughs> But God's going to call you into the wild so you can encounter this new thing He has for you because He promises that He's going to make a pathway through, not out of, not above, not around, not a loop that circles it. He's going to be like airline highway. I'm going right through the big middle of it. Y'all, you got to understand this. Is this okay? The wilderness isn't for everybody. Because if it was, everybody would be there. We got social pressure. There's this church culture that says you got to do it this, this, this. Check all the boxes and make sure you have a. Make sure your jeans are the perfect amount of skinny. I'm one of these guys. I don't wear skinny jeans. They're all that way because I'm not. Just kind of the way it works out. It became trendy. And I was just chunky. You know, that's just the way it worked. But we have this social pressure to do things the right way. Let me just tell you, the right way ain't always God's way. Because just about the time that you have all your whatnot in order, he's going he's gonna to go, and the Holy Spirit's going to breathe in and just start wrecking your apple cart. He's going to say, just have everybody get peaceful and have them raise their hand. And he's going to say, but I'm not done. I'm ready to touch this person over here. It's not fashionable to let mama just let go and let God... But he says, let my spirit move, and I can do more with my spirit than you can do with your program any day of the week. But you got to be willing to go to that wild place. you got to be willing to go to the place that makes you uncomfortable. Y'all, you got to understand this. God's calling you into the wild because he's got a purpose for you that can only be discovered in places comfortable people are unwilling to explore. Comfortable people want to stay comfortable. Like one of my favorite things to do on Monday. I, I take a day off. Every, everybody got a day off? If you don't have a day off, you need to get you a day off. That's, that's, that's the God stuff right there, that day off. Mine starts at 6.30 p.m. on Sunday and ends at 6.30 a.m. on Tuesday. Monday's my comfort day. My phone is off. People's lives are falling apart. I'm like, call somebody else. <laughs> It's glorious, and Olga's like, "Hey, you're home. You don't have anything to do. You're not teaching a small group. You're not preparing a sermon series. You're not doing. This. I got things for you to do." I'm like, "Woman, you better check yourself before I wreck myself." But anyway, let's be let's be transparent here. On Mondays, I'm unwilling to explore anything that gets me up out of that recliner that's been broken for about three months. So when I sit and watch TV, I'm kind of like this, but I don't care. It's comfortable. Church planner, I, got, I don't have enough money to buy a new recliner. Just laying there, Jesus, this is awesome. My hand falls asleep. I can't even change the channel. My hands fall asleep. Because we're in a comfortable place. We don't want to move, right? That's why God says, I'm not calling you to comfort. I just believe that Father God, I just believe you just want me to be happy. No, he never promised you happiness. He promised you holiness. And last time I checked, holiness is not comfortable because holiness is something that we are not. And it takes that challenge. I love where he says that iron sharpens iron. I don't know if you've ever watched iron be sharpened by iron. It's not comfortable. It's sparky. It's very sparky. It it gets uncomfortable when you get too close, it's going to get all over like burn holes in your clothes and people think you spend a lot of money on them and you're like, I'm trendy. (laughs) But God is going to do something in you in a place that comfortable people are unwilling to explore. The question is, how willing are you to just get out and go start discovering the uncomfortable? One more thing here. Encountering the new calls you to places that other people have abandoned. Other people tried and failed. But God's going to say, come on. I met my glorious, amazing, gorgeous wife. I'm so glad to have my wife and my four awesome daughters with me. In fact, I think we ought to just give them a hand. I'd make them all stand and testify, but I have to live with them. And they're turning teenagers and I only got one week a month that's clear and just peaceful right now. So I just got... Anyway. Y'all catch up. But when God brought my amazing wife to me, we lived in Orange County, California. Like, it, it never gets hot there. It rains like three times a year if you can even call it rain. Like, they're wrecking. It's like I barely got my... I got it on the intermittent. And, like, people are wrecking on the 405. Oh, my God, it's a torrential. Like, dude, this ain't even touching the humidity that I get in the morning during the middle of the winter. And we were comfortable. We lived in the right in the foothills of the Saddleback Mountain Range, not too far from... Monarch Beach, and I'm just like ah. Oh. Saturdays, I go out and just go. Oh, I love my Creator. <laughs> A long ways from North Baton Rouge, I was comfortable. I brought my wife back to Louisiana to see where I was from, that because she believed that everybody down here, like, rode around in p Rose all the time. <laughs> Those flat canoes—that's what she called them. I was like, no, not everybody is, is like the, the swamp people and on the reality shows. In fact, they're probably not even like that in their million dollars anyway. We'll, we'll the whole other story. So we come back over here, and I show her where, where I'm from. And, of course, she wants to go to New Orleans. I'm a Baton Rouge guy. We're not big fans of New Orleans, right? And <laughs> I grew up here. I was like, I'm not a Saints fan. I'm an Aints fan. Anyway, that whole other thing. But... <laughs> mm-hmm. I can get away with that here. If I did that at home, they'd start throwing stuff at me. Not their Bibles, because none of them are saved. But I'm, I'm just. And I, I, bring her, I bring her to where I'm from. She's like, I want to go to New Orleans. I'm like, I, I don't want to go to New Orleans. I don't like New Orleans. Yeah, but you've got to go to New Orleans. And then, of course, everybody wants to go to the French Quarter, right? Because there's like four blocks. And that, that's what everybody thinks New Orleans is. I'm like, babe, really? That's like the gross place. It stinks like. And. And it's, it's the beginning of February. End of January, beginning of February. And somebody says, hey. There's an early, early, early Mardi Gras parade that you would enjoy. I'm from Baton Rouge. It was a sin to go to Mardi Gras. I'm like, well, we're here. Let's go. And so we we, we go there, and we, we find us a place right kind of cattywampus over from the French market right on the corner uh, of Decatur and Domain, and there's there's like a manhole cover. If you go there now, you'll see this. And my oldest daughter, Jade, was she was just like a little rug muffin, and she was standing in the gutter, and I was sitting on it, and I was holding her, and we were watching the parade, and everything was great and beautiful, great music, and they're throwing stuff, and next thing I know, they're throwing little plastic body parts. I'm like, ah. We got to go. And I remember thinking on the inside, these people are going to hell. Because I was one of those kind of Christians. You know, the kind you see at Walmart, they're like, praise God. That was the kind I was. I was holiness and I was righteous, I was unsaved. And I said, they're going to hell. And I felt the Holy Spirit throat punch me. What (laughs) And he says, yeah, what are you going to do about it? And he calls me out of a place of beauty, a place of comfort, a place that's awesome. If we had planned a church in Orange County, I would be wearing ratty board shorts, laceless chucks, and a ratty t-shirt. And my hair would be 14 colors of blonde. But I'd be like, yo, dude, Jesus loves you. Because that's comfortable, right? But God says, No, I want you to move to New Orleans and do something you're not you don't even know how to do. And it took me seven years to do it. If we had done it when we wanted to, we would have hit New Orleans like the week before Katrina hit. That probably would not have been a good thing, but God saw everything what He wanted to do. And we planted the church, we got out of comfort. But we were willing to do something that we had never explored. And we started talking to the people in our network. And everybody was like, Monty, you're crazy. Don't do it. Don't do that. One, one pastor told me, he said, if you do this, not only are you going to fall back into alcoholism, you're going to start using prostitutes and your kids are going to be raped. I'm like That really happened? Yes, that happened. After a three hour Wednesday night service. One by one, felt my friends walk away because I was doing something they were uncomfortable with. I didn't even know what I was doing. It's been five years. We just, they celebrated three. We celebrated five two weeks ago. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. Hardest five years of my life. I wouldn't want to be doing anything else, though. Because just about every time I want to quit, I call those Mondays. Just about every time I want to quit. I get a text or a phone call or a social media post from somebody saying, Hey, Pastor, just want you to know God did this, 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 this. Get a text from somebody. Wake up Tuesday morning. There's a text waiting on me that says, Thank you so much for listening to God's call. What would happen if I had been unwilling to step out of comfort? To go to the place that no one else wanted to explore. But you got to remember the promise. He says, I'm going to create a river in a dry wasteland. Other people have abandoned dry wastelands. Wastelands are places of abandonment. They're, They're places that used to have stuff. At one point, they flourished. But when people got uncomfortable, they started pulling away. What if God has positioned you perfectly in a place that seems as though it's falling apart because He wants to bring the river through you? What if the river in the wasteland is your small group? What if the river... In your wasteland is you picking up trash or giving somebody a water bottle and saying, no, I'm not inviting you to church. I just want to let you know Jesus loves you. What if it starts with one spark? What if the place that other people abandoned, you were like, no, let me shine the light in the darkness. In in the Bible, water always represents potential always represents potential. So when, when we read this through that lens. God's saying. I'm going to do something. That is overwhelmingly full of potential. In a place that no one thought anything could happen. How willing are you to leave comfort? How willing are you to follow God. Even when it seems impossible. Y'all I want you to hear me with this. As I, I'm bringing this to a close. God's calling you into the wasteland. Because he wants you to drill into the abandonment. To release that potential that other people walked away from. Somebody said, oh, we'll, we'll do something. there." Oh, they're not interested in God. We're not doing the right kind of music for them to come to our church. We don't look the right way for them to come to our church. We're, like the pastor went up on stage wearing a t-shirt and dress shoes. And it's uncomfortable. We, we don't have carpet on the floor. We we're on the we're on the other side of the old Kmart. Probably like five of y'all remember when this was Kmart. I used to play here. First house we lived in in Baton Rouge was three blocks behind here. What if God's waiting on you to say, "I'm not going anywhere"? Use me to drill into what used to be to bring out that potential. The religious call it wasted, but Jesus calls it an opportunity. The sanctimonious say, Oh, that's going to be difficult. God says, Giggity, giggity, giggity. Y'all, to encounter the new, you got to be willing to run the play, even when it seems impossible. It's not going to be comfortable. I give you a great football analogy, but I don't even know how the game works. It's like like when I played with my brother and his friends because I was this tall and they were all like gargantuan. And the play for Monty was always, go long. I'd get out there. They wouldn't tell me how far long was. There wasn't anybody else around me. Sometimes that's how it feels in God. He's like, I want you to go long because if it's a short play, anybody could do it. But I want you to go out there. I want you to take that encounter that you had with me two or three Sundays ago. And I don't want you to just say, oh, that was a good service. Oh, social media, hashtag love Pastor P. On the pick five when they post that on Monday and Tuesday. And I'm going to like it. Beyond that, that's awesome. Don't stop doing that. But beyond that, take that word that he planted in you and say now. I'm going to drill down and let the water of the Holy Spirit, the potential of God begin to spring up oh well in me and just start bringing some germination and start reaching out and putting some roots down and then some branches are going to grow out because I can't be satisfied right here. I'm not done here. And if this is all there is, y'all, let's hang it up. But I want you to know God's got a whole lot more. Because here's the deal, y'all. Once you see the glory of God, What was Moses really, really asking? Have you ever thought about that? What was Moses really asking? He said, I've seen your miracles. I've felt your presence. I want to see you. Nobody had ever asked that before. God was like, it's not time. I love where you're going, but it's not time. If we we fast forward all the way to Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, verse 3 really digs into it like Jesus is the physical image of the character of God. Moses was saying, show me Jesus. If you'll allow me just to do a little bit of pastoral like magic. The world around Encounter Church is saying we've seen religion. We've even seen your service. We've seen you serve in the in the great flood of 2016. We've seen you do this. We've seen you do this. We've even heard you preach. We've heard your music. But what we really want to see is Jesus. And I can promise you this because I know them. These people are going to lead you into the presence of Jesus Christ every Sunday. And as best they can, they're going to paint a picture of the physicality and the character of who God really is. Every Sunday. You're going to walk in here and you're going to see it. You're gonna say, "I see Jesus," but if all you do is I see him, nothing's gonna change in this city, and your encounter is gonna become a wasteland. But if you'll allow God to take that vision that He shows you in here on Sunday, just step it out. Step it out at your school. Step it out at your job. Trust me, everybody in southeast Louisiana already been saved. But how many of us actually know Jesus? And I promise you this once you see Jesus, once you personally encounter him, and once you're willing to follow him into the impossible, that's when you're going to start to encounter that new thing that God's already started all the way around you. He's just waiting on you to jump in. But isn't it cool? He's not done there. Not only will you begin to encounter the new thing that God's already started, that's when you're going to start to live every moment surrounded by the fact that Jesus Christ designed you on purpose for His purpose. I don't know about you, but when I think about the fact Looks out on the face of the nothing. And the Spirit of God moved on the face of the waters. And God said, The Word, Jesus Christ, begins to go forth and do the creation. Before He ever said, Let there be, He said, In 2017, there's going to be some people that gather on Friday night. And they're ready to do something. I'm going to design everything up to this point to get them there. And from that moment, if they'll see me, from that moment, nothing will ever be the same. Y'all ready to get uncomfortable? Y'all ready to do the impossible? Why don't we stand to our feet and ask God to begin to do the impossible in our hearts now. Pastor Phil.